This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Rachel, I'm so grateful that you're here today talking about relationships and social media and the overlapping effect. Now, you've been doing some research on this that I understand you just submitted to a journal. Can you break it down? Yeah. So just looking at the impact of social media on relationships and specifically romantic relationships um, and, you know, some of the findings that in my research were that, you know, social media does impact romantic relationships and oftentimes can be in a negative way, but those are specific to those who, you know, are bothered by social media tend to be those with more of a more anxious attachment. Um, So those that are, you know, worried about being left and abandoned um, seem to have um, more of a negative impact on their relationships. So we know that previous research has shown that there is a direct relationship between higher social media use and lower relationship satisfaction. Um, But my research sort of just focuses specifically on those who are anxious about a relationship, Uh, more anxious tend to have a more negative uh, relationship with high social media use. So you were looking at attachment styles and social media use and relationship satisfaction overall. That's a really interesting design. That that was one of the, the things that was being looked at is does, does anxious attachment make it or people specifically being more anxious about their relationship? Uh-huh. Um, and so they tend to have higher anxiety um, with regards to their partner's social media use and more of a fear of being abandoned. Um, so there was more of an impact on social media use and their relationship. I see. So what were some of the ways that people use social media that engendered some of that anxiety about relationships? So it wasn't so much about how the partner used it. It was more about how the anxious partner portrayed. Um, and we also find in other, other um, studies have also found that when people are more likely to monitor and sort of obsess about or, you know, check their partner's activity, you know, more frequently, we mm-hmm. also see that they tend to just be more anxious and also to uncover more, right? The more you look, the more likely you are to find something that is of concern to you. Um, So that in turn will impact their relationship and how they feel about their relationship. 
Mm, I can imagine there are some listeners right now who might be saying, but how will I know if I can trust my partner if I'm not monitoring their social media or checking it? And I wonder how you would respond to that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a great question, but one that I think we need to start with, how do you trust yourself and the relationship? So mm-hmm. again, you know, what are you bringing into that relationship that would make you even question if you could trust somebody? So are you approaching this as, I don't trust until I'm, it's proven that I can trust, or do you go enter into a relationship trusting until you're proven, until it's proven that you shouldn't have trusted that person? Um, and so there's a lot of red flags that you can look out for, but I'd encourage people who are, tend to be less trusting to, you know, do some work on that and to understand is that more about them or more about the relationship? And, and sometimes it's about a little of both. Yeah, I think it does come from people feeling um, or being betrayed in the past or learning things when they were more trusting and entered into a trusting space, or excuse me, they entered into a relationship from a trusting place and they realized their trust was really not warranted and they would have been better served um, being a little bit more discerning or skeptical about who the partner was and how the partner was acting. But it does really seem to bump up against a a really important line and a line that maybe is different for everyone in terms of how do you figure out how much of what is unhealed from your experience do you bring in and and expect to be different um, or addressed with a new partner? Absolutely. I think that we always have to take a look at ourselves first and you know, people that tend to be bringing that into the relationship and that unhealed trauma and wounds and, you know, inability to trust also are likely are more likely to choose partners that maybe will, you know, reinforce that belief. So I think that it's really important to do that healing and go through that journey on your own first, that you can also know what to look for and be more likely to look for a uh, partner who's a better fit and more, more open, that you're more able to trust in the future. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy, or Flibanserin, is FDA-approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today, or go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem. 
problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI, or call 844-PINK-PILL. Go to addy.com and use code GETNAKED for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addy is right for you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Juggling all the things I juggle as a psychologist, a sex therapist, an entrepreneur, an author, a dog mom, and a partner, I am always looking for ways to make sure that I am smelling the best I can. And it's so easy to do when you upgrade your deodorant. Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day long thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula. And they've got over 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it. So make the switch to Lumi and make this one of your freshest years yet. I was just so grateful to find Lumi. It's been a lifesaver and a time saver. I love that it's seriously safe to use anywhere on my body, including underarms, under breasts, thigh fold, even belly button and butt crack. I really trust it because it's created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how normal BO was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. Lumi is baking soda free and paraben free, and it's pH balanced for safe use below the belt. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like the mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code GETNAKED at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code GETNAKED. What are some of the tells that maybe you've discerned over the years um, or have seen in your research about uh, how to figure out if somebody is being deceptive or duplicitous with their social media? What would be some behaviors someone could really look at and go, "Ooh, I should be curious or skeptical about that? Yeah, there are definitely some red flags. We can start with excessive secrecy, right? So if a partner is overly secretive about their social media use and their activities, hiding their phone, pass, putting password protection on everything, you know, that could raise some concerns about trust and transparency. Um, so definitely pay attention to that. Excessive monitoring, even on the partner's side. So if a partner is constantly monitoring other social media interactions and becoming excessively jealous, Perhaps there's, you know, not just some insecurity on one side, but also maybe some projection of, is this person doing what it is I'm doing? So you want to be careful about that. You want to look at, are there any, um, let's say, inappropriate interactions, things that you're uncomfortable with, more flirtations, 
more interaction with one person as as opposed to others? Um, are they oversharing about your relationship in negative ways or speaking to someone specifically, um, not taking time to spend one on one with you, but instead only on their on their phone or tablet at night um, rather than being present? Um, I would say if someone gets defensive, so if you want to have a conversation, you're mm -hmm. communicating about social media use and there seems to be some sort of defensiveness or unwillingness to have the conversation, that can indicate that there's a lack of openness and a sort of a re reluctance to address issues or even to you know be open about what's going on um, on their side. Um, so those are some of the big things, telltale signs, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of those. And I think a question that I hear a lot from clients that I'm seeing is, how do I bring the subject up about social media without sounding like or being like somebody who doesn't respect their boundaries with it? So I think it's an important question because at some point when partners are at a, a place in their intimacy and in their development of the relationship, it's really co it's important to kind of come up with agreements on what role does social media play in your relationship and how comfortable do you both feel with it and and where do the the limits or containment um, need to be for, for the health of your relationship. So, what do you think are some great ways for people to start that conversation? I, I mean, I think it's so incredibly important to have open communication as well as set boundaries, expectations, what we're comfortable with in all parts of our relationship, right? So if that's already happening in other happening in other areas of your relationship, this will be an easier thing to talk about because you're already having these conversations. Mm -hmm. If they're not, then starting it can be a lot more challenging, but I think by by just sharing personally and sort of opening that door, you know, I want to talk about I want our relationship to be healthy and effective, so I'd like to communicate about different things that come up within the relationship. And that will include time in general, how much time you're spending together as opposed to other activities, whether it's with other people online, in person, doing different things, and then can come into social media and you can say, you know, I I social media is something we you know, networking is something we both engage in. And I think it can be amazing because it can also be help strengthen our relationship and our ties to outside support. Um, and, and I also want to have the conversation about what you're comfortable with and what I'm comfortable with within that within that space. Um, and then just start talking about things like, you know, exes or people that you once had any sort of romantic interest or sexual relationship with. Are you comfortable with, you know, do you have friends on sites or followers that are those people or are you somebody who just kind of cuts ties um, and what each of you is comfortable with in that respect? How much communication you're comfortable with? I think one of the reasons I got, you know, super into this topic, you know, I was I was always interested in this and I could see how it was impacting relationships, friends, clients. Um, but then what really made, you know, made me decide, okay, I really want to start, you know, writing on this and researching this is when Facebook first started their, their instant message, right? Their chat. Yeah. Um, because so they started their chat, but then they started video chat too. So it was like, you know, already I could go on and Kate, you and I, we, you know, we live across the country from each other. Mm -hmm. We could just talk at all the all hours of the night. If I couldn't sleep at night, I could go on and you'd be up because it was only 10 o'clock your time, but it's 1 a.m. my time. We could start having conversations. Well, now 
I could flip on the video camera and just start video chatting with you. So it becomes so much easier to confuse digital intimacy with actual and emotional intimacy. Um, so the boundaries just are so much easier. It's so much easier to cross those boundaries. So back to your question. So communicating about time, who's comfortable with you, you know, who you're comfortable with people interacting with and how often set boundaries. So specific boundaries on social media, especially with individuals that you might have had previous relationships or are, are into. Um, and, you know, be mindful about what you post too. I think that's really important when you're, you know, even when you're not in a relationship, but especially within a relationship, are you oversharing about your relationship? Are you undersharing? Is that comfortable for your partner? Um, or partners. So I think those things are really important too. Those are great places to start. How are you differentiating between digital intimacy and real life intimacy? Such a great clarifying uh, context. Yeah. So it's really easy to, again, the more we speak to somebody or interact, the more time we spend with with people, the more likely we are to feel that there's a connection and to possibly feel like there's that intimate connection. So it's much easier for me behind a screen to start sharing about my life. And is that something where if I was, you know, I might feel closer to someone because I've opened up to them so much, even if that's not reciprocated, or if it was reciprocated, I might think we're in a much deeper relationship than we actually are. So it's important to be able to differentiate that, um, you know, getting excited about hearing from somebody, looking at their posts more. Um, it's easy to think I'm more a part of your life because I know what you've been doing. I, I, I look at your page, right? Um, right? And I'm able to kind of feel more connected to you than maybe I am because maybe you're not looking at my page. Um, so I think there's a whole lot of different ways that that happens. You know, within relationships, we do see that committed partners tend to, think and act in more pro relationship ways so that they kind of show off to the world, this sense of weeness, right? Mm -hmm. And when we're, we're not doing that and we're in a relationship, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that could happen. It could be that somebody is hiding it because they want to still sort of have that out there. Um, it could also be that their partner is not comfortable with being part of social media or their work prevents them from being really seen on social media. So their, you know, their partner talks about them less, but if you're somebody who's okay with it and you're posting things about your partner and your partner's not posting about you, you know, wh what's going on here? And that could be, could be something that you want to discuss. Yeah. And, and I think it, even adding to that, not only is it good to talk about those discrepancies, but what are, what is the impact on the relationship from those discrepancies? Because a lot of times somebody will go down the rabbit hole of what does this mean about our relationship or how my partner feels about me before they talk to their partner about it. And, you know, we can hurt ourselves so easily with going down those rabbit holes. And even if that's something that turns out to be unmerited, the impact somatically can weigh heavily on how you feel and whether or not you feel safe in a relationship. So slowing down and, and kind of playing out a little bit with each other, how are you feeling if, but also how are you feeling if not? And how do you kind of clear that out so that you can come back to a place of feeling really strong in your partnership? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to make sure it's clear that it's not just like the social media aspect. There are so many other factors that play a role. I mean, we know that, you know, just the increase in you know, social media, social media 
time, right? The time spent on there is linked to lower relationship satisfaction. So, you know, there is some research that shows that higher level of use is significantly linked to a number of factors, right? But could be low relationship commitment. Some research has found, um, which in turn break up in high rates of divorce. Um, we see because of higher use, physical and emotional infidelity, relationship satisfaction. So, you know, who knows which one came first? If I'm not happy in my relationship or I'm not fully committed to my relationship, do I therefore, you know, engage in more social networking, right? Or media uh, use, or is it the more I engage in it, the further away from my partner or partners I get, and thus all of these, you know, factors uh, begin to play a role in, in results. You bring up a really good point, though. And in, in addition to, is it a chicken or an egg around the happiness and contentment in the relationship and someone's use of social media? There really is something I think worthwhile in exploring. Why are you using social media, right? What are you going to it for? And for a lot of folks, it's an amazing place to meet new people, platonic professional or romantic or sexual. Um, but for a lot of folks, it becomes kind of a numbing out mechanism. And I always think that's a great opportunity to say, all right, what am I trying to not feel? What am I trying to be unaware of? And can I use that as a stopping point in my use and maybe pivot back and go actually talk to my partner if there's something that I'm avoiding with them? Yeah, absolutely. Avoiding with them or avoiding with myself. Yeah. Right? Is there is there is there something I need to distract from right now? And sometimes that can be healthy, right? Like it's okay. There are again, it's not to say you can't use social media at all, right? But but I think it is important with everything we do to understand. Well, what is this about? And if you notice a change in your behavior, um, specifically, take a look at at what's go what might be going on and mm -hmm. and how much use. You know, would you? do something else for this amount of time? And if so, what does it take away from in your life? And think specifically in a relationship, what's it taking away from in all of your relationships, right? That you're not connecting face-to-face -face with somebody, whether it is even over a screen um, or in person um, and specifically your partner. I mean, I, I know that one of the things and time is a big thing, right? Like what kind of time does it take away? And I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, sitting and watching a movie together and looking over and their partner is on their phone, right? The whole time and is, you know, scrolling Facebook or Instagram or TikTok um, and just feeling like, okay, well, we're watching a movie together, but we're really not watching a movie together. You know, mm -hmm. like partner's not present. Like if I want to say, Hey Kate, what did that person just say? Or, Oh my gosh, do you believe that just happened? You won't know what I'm talking about fully because you were on your phone. Right. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll get into the how, how it impacts, you know, sex and, and being physically intimate. But I see a lot of that as well. Well, let's get into it. How All does right. it affect sex and intimate relationships? Yeah, well, similarly to what I was just, you know, saying, there's a lot of people that will talk about, you know, the first thing that somebody does, their partner does in the morning is grab their phone. Right. They scroll their email. They scroll. They go on Facebook. They look at their memories from last year. They look at what people are doing, post it overnight instead of connecting, which could be a time where you're going to be, you know, if you have 10 minutes, you might be physically intimate and, you know, and have sex. Um, then in addition, I hear a lot of people talk about how just after finishing engaging in any kind of sexual activity, the first thing their partner does is grab their phone. And it's like, 
Okay, well, we could snuggle, we could talk, we could connect. Like, what was, what are you such a rush to take that phone and disconnect from being present? And it's, and for some, they get really hurt and insulted by it. Um, some bothered, some, you know, again, it's a way to disconnect from what is just, what's going on right here, rather than just remain connected even when the sexual act or acts are done. But what if neither partner cares? Is that a problem? No, I think as with anything, if it, well, Yes and no. As with most things, if if it's not bothering either, you know, any partners, then maybe it works within the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's that's how you want to engage in your relationship. So yes, it doesn't become a problem in that sense. However, given some of the research that does talk about how, you know, those partners that are less committed do tend to distract and be on social media, I think we need to at least, you know, have some consciousness of what it's about and how it's it might impact yours or your partner's satisfaction within the relationship in the long run. Yeah. I also think it can be a a really great way for people to downplay how they're feeling about a partner or about a sexual experience that they've just had. So jumping out of that moment and into social media is a great way to say, this isn't that significant to me, or it doesn't really create any emotional charge for me. And for a lot of people, avoiding that vulnerability is really important because they don't want to get caught up in a relationship or they don't want to get hurt again. So again, a great opportunity to look at what is your own relationship like with this vehicle, right? This vehicle of an experience. It's not to say that it's good or bad, right or wrong to use social media in any way, but really look at the themes that it plays out in your life. And I think the frequency is really important too. So what, Rachel, what's your screen time, your daily average? Do you know? <laughs> Social media wise or screen time? Because screen time is, is much more than it should be because that's what <laughs> I, you know, I work on my computer all day. Um, what's your yeah, screen time on your phone? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely grab it, you know, more often than I, I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, my partner and I talk about what's comfortable for each of us. Um, when something becomes uncomfortable, we have the conversation again. Um, I've been very lucky. My partner's um, very open. You know, I, I own several businesses, so really I'm on all the time. Um, and so that's comfortable. But when it comes to me just scrolling is when he says, okay, well, you know, I see you're not working. So can we just be present together? And I say, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I put it right down. Um so I think I, I pay attention to that and I'm much more conscious of it, but I think we're all human, right? Um, and I, you know, we all have people we want to connect with maybe at different states, you know, you're in California, I want to keep in touch with you. Um, so I think it's just important to be be conscious of it. In addition, like we know that there are, there are ways that, that social media specifically impacts our mental health. And that's the same for relationships. We see that like, viewing, you know, can portray like perfect and dreamlike relationships. And that might influence how we feel about our own relationship. So if we see people, you know, in these seemingly perfect roles and, you know, talking about their partner and doing things with their partner and how they look with their partner or partners, like, you know, it could impact the way we feel about ourselves in our own relationship. So we need to be really conscious of that as well, because we also need to remember that what people are portraying on social media is not exactly you know, necessarily what's going on in their lives. And I think you and I know that more than other people mm-hmm. because we may know what's going on in these people's lives, but not everybody does. <laughs> right, right. That I think is a really important point. There can be so much comparison that happens. And 
I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times a couple comes in and they have some ideal couple in their mind of who they should be, right? Or one of the partners does. They'll say like, well, we should be more like our friends, so-and-so and so-and-so, and why can't we do that? And the same happens with a lot of social media partnerships, especially people who have couples accounts and a lot of their content is really about their relationship. There can be a lot of unjust comparisons that create conflict and maybe create isn't the right word, but highlight something that's missing, right? And gives people something easy to point to and say, ah, that's what feels missing for me. And it's not that there's a belief that that couple is perfect, but there really is this um, kind of smack in the face almost of like, wow, there's something out there that is not here. And that feels important to talk about. So in some ways, maybe it can be a good thing to bring up what you're not what you're seeing and don't feel in your partnership, but not in a not with an expectation that every moment of your life should be that way, or that that couple never has the dull or the hard moments like you might feel. Yeah, because we don't put out there when we're like, most people don't put out when they're having like a really bad day or when they get into a fight mm -hmm. with their partner, you know? And so they're putting out all the best and that's what we're seeing and we're comparing ourselves to this unrealistic relationship or person or body or, you know, people are editing everything and we're thinking we should be doing that. And why aren't we traveling as much as them? And you don't know what's going on within somebody's relationship. And it's more important to be present and realize what it is you do love about your current relationship, as opposed to all the things you're not getting. And yeah. so when we see these, it's harder to just be present and appreciate when we're constantly comparing. So what happens if you've brought this up to your partner, you're trying to get some agreements established, and for whatever reason, it's not taking. Your partner is still using their social media in a way that makes you uncomfortable, or you're still using social media in a way that makes your partner uncomfortable. You just can't make it stick. So what should people do then? How many times do they have the conversation? Well, so first I'd say maybe you have to have the conversation differently. You know, and so let's look at how you've approached it in the past and how that communication goes. Um, and so take a look at that. If you need some support with that, seek out support and communication. Um, and I think as with anything in a relationship, you know, there's a give and take and there's a middle ground. And if one partner is unwilling in certain areas to find that middle ground or to, you know, help the partner feel more comfortable, it's either, okay, well, that's something the partner can deal with. Okay, it's not that big of a deal to me. This is something I'm able to just say, okay, is it something about me? What? Why am I asking this of my partner? Mm -hmm. And, or lastly, just there might be a time where you need to seek outside support as a couple or say, I'm not willing, this isn't an area that I can find a more middle ground on. I am just uncomfortable with it. And sometimes that is the case. Like if somebody is crossing boundaries and continuing to, friend people they don't know and establish a relationship. Somebody's sending naked pictures, for instance, like maybe that's something that in your relationship that's outside of the agreement, you're not comfortable with it. So either you, the partners are willing to find that place that you can all be comfortable with, or maybe that's not the relationship for you. Yeah. I think that's important, right? We, we have to accept that social media is not going away and probably will become even more, pervasive and take a bigger role in our lives as more and more things go digital, right? This and is more and more social networking sites develop, right? It's like yeah. every time I look, there's another, I'm like, oh gosh, I just learned this one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and we have my age. 
And we haven't even talked about porn and and camming sites and interactive sites. I mean, those could be considered a type of social media site as well. So there are just a lot of opportunities for things to enhance our lives, but also to complicate our lives and our relationships. Absolutely. But also I want to I also want to say, yes, absolutely complicate them. But I, I want to take the positive spin, too, and present opportunity. Yeah. Right. Opportunity is for us to learn about ourselves, our partners, to have conversations that are difficult. You know, if these are some of the things that you can communicate about, you can probably communicate about a lot of other things as well. So that's very positive. Mm-hmm. You want to learn how to have these conversations and to be able to respect each other, you know, in terms of where you're at and where you want to be. And I think, you know, social media and even, you know, all of these other this other technology and different sites presents an opportunity for relationships to grow stronger too. It does because social media is a vehicle. It's a medium, right? And, and when we think about it that way, it's important to consider that when you're having these conversations about it, you're still talking about things that are really about the relationship. Do we respect each other? Do we trust each other? Can we agree to terms, right? Can we work hard together to create a win-win? Um, are we transparent with each other? Are we renegotiating if something doesn't fit? So whether we're talking about social media or who's buying the groceries, like those are the underlying themes that really are important to pull out to help you evaluate how does this relationship really feel for me? And in that way, social media is a great um, tool as well to kind of figure out where there can be some tune-ups in your relationship. I love that. Absolutely. So it can help strengthen relationships, communication, even even increase trust in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's very telling. Yeah. Well, Rachel, where can people reach you if they want to read about your research or they want to work with you? Sure. Um, so web, my website, drrachel.com. Um, I also have uh, modernsextherapyinstitutes.com if you're interested in any trainings or certifications. Um, and drrachelneedle at gmail.com. Is a great email address for me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. I'll see you right back here next week. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.